I really put my head down. I got into medicine. I did pretty well in medicine, got honours, and then decided I'd go into, into a specialty. And, and I looked at all of the specialties there, and cardiology just had everything. It had the lifestyle aspects. It had great therapeutics, great surgical techniques, everything to do with it. But he, here's what really struck me. Hello and welcome to the Eat, Live and Move podcast by Miyagi, a space where we bring you the latest science-backed conversations, expert insights and practical tips relating to all things health and wellness. I'm Dr. Gina Cleo, your personal habit change expert. And I'm Dr. Ross Walker, a um, cardiologist of 40 years standing and a well-known Australian preventative health expert. Together with our 60 plus years of collective experience, we're on a mission to help you to improve your health and transform your habits so you can eat, live and move better one episode at a time without the fluff or the fads. We are so excited to be here with you this week. If you tune into episode one, thanks for staying on this journey with us. Before we get into the nitty gritty conversations around health and the latest trends, for the second episode, we thought that it would be a great idea to take the time to get to know who we are. So this week, we're going to get to learn more about Dr. Ross, Miyagi's Chief Medical Officer. So for those of you who may not know Dr. Ross Walker, not only is he an eminent practicing cardiologist with over 40 years experience, he's also one of Australia's leading preventative health experts, an established author of not one, but seven best-selling books, and a world-leading keynote speaker. Now, Ross, this is a pretty impressive rap sheet. But before we dive into your career, which I'm really looking forward to hearing about, I do hear that you've also got some other hidden talents. I hear you're a part-time singer and a comedian. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Well, I, I, I used to be lead singer, rhythm guitarist in a rock band, not a particularly well-known one when I was younger. Uh, my wife, uh, who has absolute perfect pitch, is a thousand-time better singer than I am. But she would, she could do the harmonies and I couldn't. Um, and now still at uh, any any family functions, especially weddings, I drag out my I I must say with all lack of humility, I do the best version of Mustang Sally in the known universe. There there is a fellow on Alpha Centauri who thinks he does a better version than me, but mine's light years ahead of his. So and I, and I've done actually professional comedy when I was younger as well. So, uh, but I I thought I might just quickly. Uh, Loosen up things a bit with a bit of a joke. I think you better tell us a joke. Appropriate joke with a bit of a, a bent, a medical bent to it. This fellow goes to the doctor and the doctor examines him and says, look, sir, I'm sorry, I've run all the tests and you only have 12 hours to live. And it's a bit too short to get a second opinion. And so he goes home and he's pretty upset about this. He's only got 12 hours to live and his wife walks in and she says, you look dreadful. What's the problem? He says, I've just been to the doctor. The doctor tells me I've only got 12 hours to live. And the wife said, well, how do you want to spend your last 12 hours? He said, I thought about it. I want to go to bed and make love to you all night. She said, that's okay for you. You don't have to get up in the morning. <laughs> I want to know where is the medical part and the appropriate part of that joke. <laughs> that's a very funny joke. It's a great joke. No, everyone, it's everyone who's listening to the podcast at the moment is there laughing and enjoying Everyone's it. laughing. Of course they are. Dr. Ross. If you're not laughing, get over it. Get a sense of humor, guys. <laughs> Dr. Ross, we can always count on you to bring the humour. Thank you for that. But what I also want to know more about is what inspired you to get into the field of medicine and become a cardiologist? 
I'll try and make it as brief as possible, but it's not a brief story. When Eddie would say, you know, it rings my radio and says, Doctor, I'll keep a long story short. I know it's going to be long. So anyhow, this is going to be modestly long. I will warn you. When, when, it's interesting because when I was a seven-year-old kid living in Maroubra in Sydney, there was a cold winter's afternoon and a family friend, Fred, was visiting home. And I, Fred was part of our family for a long time, a very close friend of the family. Fred excused himself to go to the bathroom. And I walked into our hallway. We lived in a pretty small house. The bathroom door opened and Fred fell dead in front of me and flattened his face. And my parents took me, uh, deeply religious, they took me into the next room and said, look, Fred has gone to heaven, he won't be visiting us anymore, you're to forget about this and never think about it again. Now, you, I mean, to say that to a child is not going to happen. And so that, that sort of started me thinking about death and at seven, it's a pretty, pretty big thing to be confronted yeah, with. Absolutely. Soon it's after that time. to think about at, at oh, that yeah. age as well. Yeah. And so, soon after that time, my mother bought me a book on the atom, and I was just absorbed. I was gone. I'd been reading this wonderful science about how the atom worked, what it meant, etc. And so I just, I just kept developing this interest in science all through my childhood to become a teenager. Then when I got to school, I was thinking about becoming a chemical engineer, but then I thought, no, I'd prefer to be a doctor. So it's just something you could really do something to, to change people's lives. And this was the, the tragedy when I was 17, a week before my final exams in high school, my best mate who was going to do medicine with me, we were going to do medicine together, he drowned in a swimming pool. So I just, it was just horrible. And I just plunged myself into my, my grief. And, I, and I'll mention his name, his, his grandfather's name, because this was the turning point. I, I couldn't study. I couldn't even think about doing the exam. But at the funeral, at my mate Jack's funeral, his grandfather, Sir Lorimer Dodds, who, in my view, was one of the greatest ever Australians. He started the Children's Medical Research Foundation many, many years ago in Sydney. He said to me, Ross, I need to speak to you. You and Jack were going to do medicine together. Now you have to do it for both of you. And can you imagine being 17, being hit with that decision? And I think this is the thing about life. Life is about making the right decision. So I had to decide right at that moment as an immature 17-year-old, do I keep feeling sorry for myself? Or do I start living for two people? And I've been living for two people for, well, it's now 50 years I've been doing this. And, and it's not a burden, it's a privilege. So I, I then had the privilege of, I, I really put my head down. I got into medicine. Uh, I did pretty well in medicine, got honours, and then decided I'd go into, into specialty, into a specialty. And, and I looked at all of the specialties there, and cardiology just had everything. It had the lifestyle aspects, it had great therapeutics, great surgical techniques, everything to do with it. But he, here's what, what really struck me. When I was a trainee cardiologist, I'd go down to the post-bypass ward and I'd see people there going for their second bypass operation, this mutilating operation on your chest where they split your chest open twice and they hadn't lost a scrap of weight, they haven't give up, given up the cigarettes. And I thought, there's got to be a better way. Albert Einstein once said, there's nothing that's a more certain sign of insanity than to do the same thing over and over again, expect a different result. So I thought that that's what started me on the, the road to prevention. And, and I had a few hiccups along the way. Um, in 1999, I introduced Corrie Calcium Scoring into Australia in conjunction with the Sydney Adventist Hospital and Dr. David Grout, one of my cardiologic colleagues. And we copped so much criticism 
from the medical profession. The, the Cardiac Society of Australia wrote a position paper against calcium scoring. Now everyone's doing it. So 20, 24 years on, it's now a standard of care for screening people for heart disease. And that was that was a, a big issue. I, I, I copped a lot of criticism. I had a big personal effects for me at the time. But I, I stuck to my guns and kept going with it. And then, then writing books and, and getting my own national radio show, which I've, I've had now, a national radio show for the last 10 years um, on the Nine Radio Network. And, and I've spent many, many years of, of practicing preventative cardiology. And then as a professional speaker, I've spoken to 35,000 people in a cricket stadium in India twice, 23,000 people in Delhi, 16,000 people in Calcutta, 12,000 people for a, a thing called MDRT, which is Million Dollar Round Table, biggest insurance conference in the world three times. Uh, the at the uh, main platform there. So I've had all these privileges of being able to do these things in the in the realm of preventative medicine, not just preventative cardiology, because uh, I, I I realised that if people practice those five keys of being healthy, which we'll talk more about as the podcast go goes on, they that's the most important thing anyone can do for their health. And and I've just finished watching um. Uh, Dan Butner's episode on Netflix, his series on the Blue Zones. But the, the Blue Zones basically follow my five keys of being healthy, and they, they have incredible longevity. So let me just quickly go over those things because it's the most important message anyone will get about their health. Yes, from please. I'm on the edge of my seat wanting to okay. hear your five keys. Well, from the least important to the most important. Number one, you cannot be healthy and smoke drink too much alcohol, or snort cocaine. So anyone who's addicted to anything is ill. Number two is good quality sleep. Seven to eight hours of good quality sleep is as good for your body as not smoking. Number three is, nu is nutrition. Nutrition's easy to talk about, a lot harder for people to do. It's called eat less food, eat more natural food. The people in the blue zones, They've never heard of takeaway food. They've never heard of boxes or containers of food. They just make their own natural food. So nutrition, the third most important drug on the planet. Number two, the second best drug on the planet is three to five hours every week of moderate exertion. And the most important drug on the planet is a thing called happiness. And the more we cultivate happiness in our life, the more we get on with the people around us, the more we have internal happiness the better it is. Now, the studies have shown there's a thing called the Morgan Trial out of out of Holland, and uh, you know why most of the famous painters were Dutch, don't you? No, because they were born in Holland. Um, so that's why. Uh, so anyhow, this Morgan Trial out of Holland showed that if you practice those five keys compared with people who don't, you reduce your risk for cardiovascular disease by 83%. So you take a pill to lower your cholesterol you reduce your risk for heart disease about 20 to 30%. So the 80-10-10 rule, 80%, those five keys, 10% is certainly medications if you need them and 10% evidence-based supplements. And that's the way to good health. And you know what I was thinking, you know, when you're telling me that the five keys to optimal health, Ross, is I feel like they all really intertwine. Like I know for me, when I exercise, I want to eat well and then I sleep well as a result and then I feel happier as, as a result of all of that. Whereas if I'm drinking, say I've had a, a night and I've had a few drinks, the next morning I'm not likely to exercise. I probably won't eat very well. I'll 
you know, want to get all the greasy food and it's sort of a cycle one way or another. Would you say that that's what you see with your patients? Oh, yeah. And I say to people, forget about New Year's resolutions or whatever. Every morning you wake up, you press the reset button, say, you know, I didn't do it so well yesterday. I'm going to do it better today. And I say to my patients, this is a key message. It's not about making the big decision that I had to make when I was 17 years old. It's about making 30, 40, 50 small decisions every day, decisions that you often see absolutely no difference for. So you walk up a set of stairs. You've got a set of stairs, a set of escalators. 95% of people go up the escalators. The 5% of people who go up the stairs don't get to the top and go, wow, there's a kilo gone. It doesn't work like that. But if you do that every day over 6 to 12 months, then you notice the benefit. Confucius once said, allegedly, a journey of a 1,000 steps begins with a single step. So take those little steps every day, make the right decisions every day. So the right decisions, those 30, 40, 50 good decisions every day, take you to either good health and happiness or bad health and unhappiness. It's all about the quality of your decisions. Oh, it's so true. And I love that, you know, when we think of those little steps, it makes it so much more achievable and so much easier to apply, you know, instead of thinking of these big grand goals that we have to like reach or achieve. I always say to people, motivation isn't like a lightning bulb. It's not going to hit you in like the first year in the New Year's resolution. It's not going to hit you on Monday or on your birthday or after holidays. You know, the lightning bolt ain't coming. You just have to make your decisions today. Make the best decisions that you can each and every day. Yep. Totally agree. Completely. Yeah, love it. Well, Dr. Ross, it was so good to hear your story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Well, that is all from us today at Eat, Live and Move Well with Miyagi. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that you enjoyed getting to know Dr. Ross Walker on a deeper level. And I hope that you also took away some more valuable learnings about his five keys to optimal health and some simple changes that you can make to live a happier, healthier life. I know that I absolutely loved hearing your five tips, Ross. So next week, we'll be passing the mic over to Dr. Gina Cleo and learning more about her from being a dietitian to now one of the world's leading experts in habit change. And in the meantime, whatever platform you're listening on, please go ahead and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out when we drop a new episode. So that's all from us. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.